Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. And our theme today is staying at your post when everyone is leaving. Staying at your post when everyone is leaving. But before I dive into today's uh, podcast, I want to invite you to a unique opportunity that's coming uh, in October. Now, one of the biggest issues facing leaders uh, and pastors is not knowing what the future of the church uh, will look like. All we know is that something is over, our world has changed, and uh, something new is coming. There's a new future, and we've got to get ourselves re-equipped uh, for what we're heading into. And so on October 22nd, we're hosting an online event called the Emotionally Healthy Leadership One Day Live Stream Experience. It's a four-hour uh, experience, and we're going to share uh, three, in particular, formational practices and tools uh, that you need uh, to stay grounded and healthy uh, so you can lead for the long haul. And our goal is to help you and your team catch a fresh vision for the kind of leadership and discipleship we need to be bringing to our churches if we're going to thrive and be faithful to Jesus in the days ahead. So uh, go to emotionallyhealthy.org uh, to register, and you'll get more information on what I'm talking about here. Uh, it's $99 until September 30th, so you'll want to go and check that out. All right, that's emotionallyhealthy.org. All right, so now, uh, as I record this, we're actually in month six, uh, going into month seven of the global pandemic. And uh, we're actually, uh, at least here in North America, we're headed into the school year, which I've always seen historically as like the launch of a year, uh, the fall, September. And, uh, and many of us, and definitely myself, I had expected things to be sorted out by now, uh, and they're not. Uh, and we're living in very difficult times with great suffering, great upheaval, great change, great disruption, uh, a great storm going on around us. And it looks now like this is going to be lasting for quite a while, uh, much longer than any of us anticipated. And uh, some people in our ministries and churches uh, have faded away. And there is this feeling of leaving, uh, quitting, even among some leaders. And uh, and I've spoken to some of you, and uh, we're having to work much harder uh, with so much coming at us. And uh, and uh, I've talked to more than one pastor who's looking at options of what else could I possibly do with my life. And uh, because the church or the ministry uh, organization that we all led uh, as we currently or how, as we did it pre-pandemic is gone, and uh, and we're really not sure what the future holds and uh, where this all is going. And so I suspect very strongly that this daydreaming uh, to get out or even the temptation to uh, compromise, uh, even in the present uh, in small ways, and I'll talk about that in just a few minutes, over the next three, six, nine, 12 months or longer, I suspect is going to increase. Uh, and the temptation to not stay at our post. So what I'd like to do today is I, I believe God has a word for you uh, and for me uh, and for the church out of the book of Revelation, the final book of the Bible. And I, I want to focus my comments around the theme, staying at your post when everyone is listening. I spent over a year and a half uh, preaching and studying, of course, the book of Revelation uh, many years ago. It totally changed my life. Uh, it's a book I love. Uh, and today I want to give you a summary of what I would say is the core message of Revelation uh, for us and around the topic, staying at your post when everyone is is leaving. 
there was a German uh, Lutheran pastor uh, during World War II who was sent to a concentration camp, uh, Hans Lilje. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing his name right. So those of you from Germany listening, forgive me. But he wrote a commentary while in the camp. And he said this, that people who suffer uh, never play with the imagery or, uh, or do games with the book of Revelation because they have felt the beast's breath and the dragon's fire and the kind of pressure that's described in the book of Revelation. That's why Revelation says, blessed are those who, blessed is the one who reads and hears and takes to heart what is written in this book. In fact, the end of Revelation, the final words of scripture says, I warn anyone who takes away or adds from the words of this book. And so it's a severe warning in Revelation about don't mess with the words of this book because they are so true. And so this was actually meant uh, to be read in the ch- in, in seven churches in Asia Minor, present-day Turkey, uh, when it was written uh, in about 90 uh, AD. And so I'm going to give you a few themes of what what uh, what are some the core of the book of Revelation messages and 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 how they are meant to equip us to stay at our post regardless of what's happening around us. And uh, so first of all, the Revelation teaches us about our demonic, how demonic our struggle is with the beast in the 21st century. Now, it, the book is addressing a very concrete historical situation. There are Christians in the Roman province of Asia between 90 and 95 AD under Domitian, the emperor at the time, and they're suffering. The wicked seem to be prospering. Evil is winning. Uh, they are under enormous pressure. And the word is uh, thalipsis or or, or pressure or afflictions uh, used repeatedly throughout the book of Revelation. We are under pressure, uh, thalipsis, uh, intense crushing pressure. And this book was written, Revelation, uh, to give those uh, Christians in those seven churches perspective of what was really going on. And so uh, what the Apostle John does, he creates this symbolic world uh, using what's called apocalyptic literature it was commonly uh, used in that day, uh, and uh, it, it's it's a way of communicating with images, and, and he's using uh, these images to cleanse their minds and to see the world as God does. Um, and if I can give any close parallel, think of you know we have a, a symbol for the United States. Uncle Sam is is the eagle representing the United States. Uh, the bear represents Russia. Lion represents Great Britain. Uh, we see political cartoons, and we're, we see symbols that we're familiar with as, as readers, and for the Republican Party or Democratic Party, and so these there's these images used all throughout Book of Revelation. We get very confused today because we don't understand what's going on in that day. But for the readers, those images make tons of sense because they were living in the midst of it. But this was very much a pastoral book written to encourage people who were suffering. Uh, at the same time, it was meant to rebuke people who were compromising with the world, Christians who were. Uh, you know, buying into the values of the world and really a severe warning not uh, to worship the beast like their pagan neighbors and, and not to be absorbed by the culture and the beast, but to break free from the delusion and the lies around them. And in fact, Revelation presents only two alternatives. There's actually no compromise. There's no middle ground. Either one worships the beast uh, or faces martyrdom. Now, the beast in that day was the culture of the Roman Empire. And uh, But there is no, either you witness to what's true in the living God or you compromise with the lies of the beast. And it's so interesting because throughout the book of Revelation, uh, this struggle is life and death and there is no middle ground. 
So the beast today would would come through our culture and things like, you know, drive for money or power, affluence, advertising, you know, celebrity culture, comfort, security, image, we're all about image, you know, grading people based on their education or fame or color of their skin and the whole distorted sexuality, Babylon the harlot, Babylon's referring to Rome. And and so like the early Christians to whom John the Apostle's writing, we're swimming in the beast. Uh, in fact, we're swimming so deeply in it, we, we, we can't even see it. And what had happened to these seven churches in Asia Minor was was the beast had gotten inside many of the churches. And, uh, and so we see the struggle uh, in Revelation of with the demonic behind the beast, because behind the beast, uh, the culture, Revelation makes very clear are active, powerful, demonic, evil forces, and and uh, pictured as a dragon, and uh, a dragon, uh, Satan himself, who has a very who's very real, active, mega, uh, he's an enemy with one mission, and that is to lead you astray. Uh, and the church astray from following the Lord Jesus faithfully and staying at our post. And Revelation gives this, and it can, it can be frightening without a, a fuller perspective of what the book is teaching, of the tremendous size and awesome power uh, of the evil forces behind the beast or the culture. But the point is that you and, 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 and I, we have a mission. We have a, a post that we are to to function and to stand in we, something God has for us to do, uh, and yet at the same time there is a demonic power. And, and I'm reading from Revelation 12, verse 12 says, "He, you know, woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury, because he know his time is short, and he's come to rage wage war against those who obey God's commandments and hold on to the testimony of Jesus." And, uh, and so from the time you come to Christ uh, and you become part of his family and his mission in the world, there is a dragon out to knock you out and, to, and, and actually the word used is, is to lead you astray, just kind of pull you away from Jesus and by any means possible. Uh, and again, he's making war. And, and, uh, but not while his immense power is seen in the book, uh, at the same time, we're not talking about two co-equals here, God and Satan. No, the, the Lord God Almighty is God. He's King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Uh, but this, there is a spiritual warfare that is fierce. Satan's been defeated through the blood of the Lamb. Uh, you know, God has made a public spectacle of him through the through the cross. Uh, but yet he's a powerful enemy uh, to be respected and, and recognize that he's accusing and he's deceiving. And it's very real. But the core of the book is really this truth of, of that Jesus and the Lord God Almighty are on the throne. Uh, that that uh, he is the Lord of Lords and, and King of Kings. Now, the Roman Empire at this point in the first century was the greatest empire the world had ever known up to that time. Uh, they'd taken Greek culture uh, and imposed order and their civilization over it, whether it's politics, arts, education, athletics, business, religion, family. And the Romans believed that their rulers, that their Caesars, were the gods on the earth. They were divine. Uh, in fact, many of their emperors believed they were actually gods. And so uh, they were in, they, we have many inscriptions that have been found, like, May there be glory and honor to Caesar Augustus, O sovereign Lord, and you are worthy to receive glory, honor, and praise. And, uh, and there was a cult of emperor worship. And so that's why you had these periodic swings of worship, uh, of persecution going on against the church. But when the Revelation was written, 
uh, there was a persecution in full swing by Domitian, the emperor at the time. Uh, and he insisted that even his wife and children called him my lord and my god. And he had constructed this massive statue to himself, uh, a massive temple. People were to worship and bow to him. Every year there was a parade. Many scholars believe it took place on his birthday. And from the center of the city, there were altars uh, that people were to bow to, to Domitian. Uh, and the guards and the politicians, the crowds would stop and fall prostrate to him before his statue as a god. Now imagine everyone in, your, in the city... Uh, everyone around you is falling prostrate to Domitian uh, or to, the again, the god of the beast. Uh, you know, and what the guards did and the Roman soldiers did, if you didn't bow down, they would crucify you. Uh, and that's why people who were crucified were publicly uh, put up there so that you would understand what it was like if you did not obey the Roman emperor. But that's what life was like in Asia Minor when John wrote this letter. Uh, they were to burn incense uh, this image of burning incense you find throughout the book, uh, and, and that was done in the marketplace again to to God. Now imagine you're going to work at Wall Street or you're going to work in the, wherever your company is, and and you're expected to offer uh, incense to Caesar, but kind of like making a pledge of allegiance to him. And if you don't, you're going to get crucified, and thousands have been crucified before you. It's like parents having to teach their kids Domitian is God. Uh, but John has this vision. This is the center of the book of Revelation. He has this vision, and God is on it. Uh, not Domitian, not Caesar, and glory and honor goes to him. He is worthy. All the words that were used for Domitian, the emperor, uh, are given to God. And uh, that is the heart of Revelation 4 and 5 that fills the whole book. He is on the throne. And and so uh, the, God says this to, to the believers in that day, just like he says to us today. He says, yes, you're in the middle of a global pandemic. You're in a massive recession, a massive gap of rich and poor uh, so much polit political division, injustice. Uh, it looks like the world is careening out of control. And the Lord says, no, no, no. I know the pressure you're under, but there's an open door. Reality is there is a throne and God is on it. So stay at your post. Don't stray. The world may think God is not on his throne, but he is. Uh, and he is the Lord God Almighty. Now, there's a great phrase, the Lord God Almighty. That's worth memorizing. Uh, it's used seven times throughout the book of Revelations. And the point is, he has actual control of over all things, all historical events. Yes, it may appear the wicked are prospering. It may appear that the righteous and the good are suffering. It may appear the world is not ruled by God. And people may say, where is God's kingdom and power? And the answer is, God is on the throne. And so we worship him, whether we can figure out what he's doing or not, whether we even like the way things are unfolding before us or not. And we actually offer our prayers to him. And the Lord makes the point is that our prayers are actually supremely powerful. They may seem insignificant, but they matter to God. And, and our prayers actually reach God. And there's this image given of our prayers are like incense rising before the throne. And, and in Revelation, as the prayers reach God, he unleashes his acts on the earth and he's sovereign. Now, I don't understand how prayer works. And it can feel like we're wasting our time and nothing's happen, happening. But the message of Revelation is, no, no, a lot's happening. God's on his throne. Prayer releases his thunder. Stay before him uh, and uh, in a prayerful posture and stay at your post. Billy Graham was asked, uh, when he was alive after 9-11, uh, what's God doing? What do you think God's saying? And his answer was, I don't know. 
but I do know this, that we can trust him. And I would say the same thing applies today. What's God doing? I don't know. But I do know this, we can trust him and he is on the throne. He is the Lord God Almighty. And so thus, Revelation teaches us, the book of Revelation, this final tremendous book of scripture, is that we are to stay at our post. And we live from the future, not for the future. I want to say that again. We live from the future, not for the future. This is actually a theme of the Apostle Paul as well in his epistles in 1 Thessalonians, for example, and 2 Thessalonians, as uh, people were becoming idle and they, they were wandering from their post, A-W-O-L, deserting, quitting. And Paul calls them to say, no, 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 Jesus is coming. That's a certainty, uh, like a thief in the night. But don't be idle. Stay at your post. Stay close to Jesus and live from this reality. It was Bonhoeffer. Theologians have, have used that phrase. We don't live for the future. We live from the future that uh, Jesus is coming. And the earth is going to be filled with a, the glory of his presence. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth. And that's why scripture ends with his prayer. The bride says, come, Lord Jesus, come. Uh, Bonhoeffer picked up on this, that even when it, it appeared the whole world was being, at least in Europe in his day, occupied by the terror of Nazism, uh, he lived his life in light of, uh, and he wrote about this, from the future and sought to be faithful of being at his post and what it required of him. So in the same way, we are called and invited by God to stay at our post right now in the middle of all the upheavals and turbulence happening around us. Just think, for example, if you wanted to be a, a, an athlete, you know, and, or you wanted to run a marathon. Well, you would, if you wanted to run a marathon, you would live from that reality. You would, you would train, you'd, you'd sleep, you'd do workouts, you'd get a coach, you'd probably change your eating. But your life would be informed by the fact that this is, on this particular date, I'm going to run this 26-mile race. Uh, or if you wanted to be a, you know, a particular a doctor or a lawyer, a teacher, uh, you know, you work backwards in terms of studying your life. Even if I, you know, I've met people who want to be, you know, multimillionaires. Well, they read books like Think and Grow Rich, and then they, 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 you know, they know 15 years, 20 years from now, I'm going to go backwards and order my life. I'm going to live from the future. And so, yes, we don't quite know what's going to happen in the future with our cities. Uh, we know the world's changed forever. That is for sure. But because of that, we live from the future. Because the, the future is certain, we want to we be at our post. So what does that look like? It means I, I don't get sloppy, for example, in my relationship with Jesus, even though, in a sense, my, my rhythms or structure of life has been thrown off. But I actually create, uh, again, a, a fresh rhythm, a fresh rule of life to order my life and um, whether it's Sabbath, spending time in scripture, silence, prayer. In other words, I, I, I develop a, uh, a way to stay grounded in Jesus and immersing myself in him uh, because I want to stay at my post. And the first thing I need to do to stay at my post is I've got to engage in some kind of rhythm of life, a rule of life. For me, it's offices, daily offices, three, four times a day. It's lots of time in scripture, uh, but immersing myself in him so that as the turbulence around me is happening, I've got an anchor uh, and I'm not being swept away by all the messages that life is out of control that are going on around me. But because of this certain future uh, that the God's on his throne, Jesus is coming, I want to be at my post. What it looks like for me as well is that uh, I want to allow Jesus to take me deeper. 
this is a this is a this is a moment for all of us to uh, let God take us into a place where we are in a sense re-equipped with new skills, greater depth in our interior lives, so we can bring the kind of leadership necessary in these turbulent times that the church needs. So I, I want to I I I don't want to I want I don't want to avoid painful issues or obstacles. Uh, I want to risk the chaos of letting Jesus into some areas of my life that may be, you know, a bit scary. And, uh, but I'll, because of the certain future, I also want to be at my post. I don't want to, I don't want to be involved in lies or manipulations or half truths, but I want to stand for what's true. And because of this certain future of Jesus on the throne, I want to be at my post and, and, and make sure I'm forgiving and letting go, uh, asking God for grace, uh, to not hold on to hurts along the way or let bitterness get inside of me. Uh, I want to be soft, uh, vulnerable, weak, not protective. And uh, because of this certain future, I want to be at my post that I may not know what the future holds, but but I'm going to step out into some new places with my talents and gifts, and uh, even though it's uncomfortable because I've never done this before. and uh, But I want to serve Jesus with my gifts and my talents and my resources and make disciples. I want to serve people. I want to serve his church, even if at times it gets lonely and uh, it's it's tempting to go A-W-O-L. And, and if you're saying, I don't know what my post looks like to be faithful and to be listening to Jesus at my in my post right now in the midst of these uh, uncertain times, uh, believe me, God is the shepherd, we're sheep. He's more committed to revealing his will to you than you are probably to receiving it. So you want to be asking God, Lord, what is this unfolding of staying at my post and being faithful uh, to you, bearing witness to you, speaking for your for you, uh, serving you in these days. Uh, but you want to be sure you're staying at your post. But Revelation gives us wonderful vision as well that that we 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 conquer the beast uh, and the evil one by bearing witness to what is true and being faithful. It's very interesting how this issue of truth versus lies. There's a choice given: the truth of God or the idolatrous lies of the beast. And again, Revelation says this, the dragon who's behind the beast, the demonic powers, is enraged and went off to make, is enraged at the woman and went off to make war against her offspring, those who obey God's commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And then Revelation gives us, uh, they do this picture, they overcame him, the saints, by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony. Uh, they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death, but this calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the saints. And so we're to bear witness verbally with our words and lives to what's true. Uh, the world and the church, the people around you, people around me, need us to stay at our post, stay anchored, so that we're having an experience of Jesus deep enough that we can say from the depths of our being, it's okay. You know, God's got a future here. He is doing something and he is the Lord God Almighty. Again, think of think of a grip. You grip a ball. You, uh, God has got everything in his grip. The Lord God Almighty. That's what that word means in, in Greek. He's He's got a grip on the world and all of history, every historical event. And we may not understand it, but we raise our voices to who God is, what eternity means, and we sing it. That's why the image is given where lampstands uh, in the world. We give witness to all the nations. And what is amazing about this moment is every nation on earth is going through the same challenge and pain 
uh, as you are, uh, and the church all around the world is experiencing the same uh, upheaval as you are, but we stand against the idolatrous claims of the beast and the dragon and the beast who say there is no God, you're wasting your life, the church is inept and doesn't have any power, you're not good enough to do anything, you don't know what you're doing, God's not good, uh, and he's filled with fury and rage, but Jesus promises you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and we are set free from panic. And so Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the ruler of the kings of the earth, whether it's China, whether it's the United States, whether it's Canada, whether it's France or Germany or Peru, uh, whether it's Syria. Uh, he is the ruler of the kings of the earth, and that is real. He is the king of kings. And so the images of, of Scripture, of the book of Revelation, are meant to wash over us. When it says Alpha and Omega, means he's the A and the Z. He's the, he's the beginning and the end. And, it, and the more you allow the images in Revelation to watch over you, it's meant to cleanse your mind. You know, many of us, we spend our early, a lot of time reading the newspapers because there's a lot of news happening on a daily basis. And, and we get washed in news and the fear and the anxiety of the news around us. But we are to be assured in the triumph of Almighty God and be grounded in that reality. He cannot and will not be frustrated by any power in heaven or earth or hell. And we are set free uh, from panic in our generation and what's going to come to pass. I don't care whether it's the economy the next 5, 10, 15 years, whether it's population explosion, whether it's uh, the weapons of nuclear, biological, chemical weapons, whether it's war or the environment, uh, whether it's injustice, the gap between rich and poor, the problems are immense, or war or famine. Uh, God is in full control. And so he will sift out good and evil. He will sift out all good and evil at the end of history. Revelation lays that out as well. Uh, just like think of separating sand and pebbles on a beach through a sifter, God says, I will judge all evil. And there is a hell and vengeance is mine, says the Lord, and everyone will have to face reality now or then. It's not ours to, to, to make that kind of judgment. We're to love. Uh, everyone will have to face reality now or then. But it's meant to move us as we read about that in scripture and these images is, hey, stay at your post. Uh, let's stay in a posture of repentance, humility, brokenness, under uh, the Lord God Almighty. Uh, and that's why Jesus said, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Like, don't mess around. Uh, it's better to enter life maimed than with two hands than to go into hell where the fire never goes out. Same thing. If your foot calls you to sin, cut it off. Better, better to have, enter life crippled than have two feet and be thrown to hell. And if your eye calls you to sin, pluck it out. Uh, it's better for you to enter the kingdom with one eye than have two eyes and be thrown into hell. And so Jesus, in a sense, gave that same image for discipleship that we approach it not sloppily, not indifferently, uh, but with the kind of seriousness of, okay, I'm being shaken right now. The winds and storms are blowing, but I, I want to be, I want to listen to Jesus and be faithful to what the Lord has placed before me and not make rash decisions and moves here, uh, but rather listen to him and be faithful to him, whatever that might, may be. The book of Revelation is not Christianity light. Uh, well, uh, you know what? We're not living in Christianity light by any means. But God will make everything new and he will reign forever and ever. I love what 
Andrew Murray said uh, when he was alive, he says, when it says, we will see his face, Jesus, we shall see his face. This is an extension, he writes, of the grace of God beyond the grasp of the human mind. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. We, we may give it a taste of what is to come. And so we are the bride of Jesus, and we are to pray, come, Lord Jesus, come. And let's remain at our post, be faithful, um, doing what God's called us to do, making disciples, developing other people, developing people, serving people, emptying ourselves as Christ emptied himself uh, to be a servant of other people. And, uh, and may the world be blessed. So again, let me invite you uh, to check out at www.emotionallyhealthy.org that one-day live stream experience called Emotionally Healthy Leadership uh, in October. Get equipped maybe some in some practical ways of what it looks like to stay grounded at your post and not be shaken uh, when all hell and fury comes against you. So thank you very much, everybody, for being uh, with me today and for being the community of Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. It's really a joy to be with you. And I want to encourage you always to feel free, send me a, a note, tell me what you're experiencing, learning, thoughts, questions, ideas. Uh, send them to me at info at emotionallyhealthy.org, info at emotionallyhealthy.org. I will always get those emails or texts, but it's nice to have a response back from you. I'm sitting here alone at my desk and I always greatly appreciate it. So thank you, everybody. Have a wonderful day and may the Lord bless you. Take care. <laughs>